This is Maddie of the Voluntary Vixens podcast, your usual co-host, joined um, routinely by my lovely friend from Tennessee, Jesse. How's it going? It's been a while. It's been a while. It seems yes, like it. We still yeah. have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like it didn't feel like that for a bit, and um, yeah, definitely. Definitely got to loosen up the gears a little bit, but um, as I mentioned and pointed out before we started recording, my cat has already assumed the podcasting position behind my shoulder, and he's happy. He's happy to be back, too. <laughs> he's actually happy because I um, am back from a long weekend away from them. My cats are like dogs, and so if you guys are dog owners, um, you understand what dogs are like when people are not with them, and so... I got married this weekend, guys. Big news in the Vixen world. Um, Yay. So anyway, that was a dream. And um, yes, like everybody says, now it's time to make those anarcho babies. And, um, you know, okay, working on it. God. I can only Mm -hmm. do so many things at a time, really, everybody. (laughs) But I appreciate the encouragement and the support. (laughs) So tonight we are joined by somebody I... Again, it's always funny when I get to meet people in person um, and before I meet my co-host in person. I've never met Jesse still to this day, you know, over like two, two and a half years into our podcast and I've never met Jesse. But I did have the privilege and honor to meet Jessica Pavoni at the most recent Ron Paul Institute luncheon. Um, thankfully, that was able to come back this year since last year uh, COVID and its restrictions killed it. And yeah, Jessica, it was such a lovely surprise to, it's always, um, so Jessica is a, an ex-Air Force veteran. And the reason she was a familiar face when she sat down at my table, I couldn't, I couldn't place her. I couldn't place her or her husband anywhere. But then as soon as she started talking, you know, she explained that, she had previously spoken at a Ron Paul Institute lunch. And I was like, oh, well, since I've been to them all, you know, that makes sense. I've seen you guys before. <laughs> and it happened to be, I can't remember what it was exactly called, but it was the theme that year that, um, you know, Washington's or the, their obsession with war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that theme is always um, relevant. Uh, and even though this year, as, um, as I've expressed before on the air, this year's theme was the war on us and it had to do with the COVID mandates, but you know, Jesse has no, um, what's the word? You're not sheltered from like what an actual war and war mm-hmm. scenario and all those things that people in Washington seem to think are good ideas. But then, you know, of course they're not going, it's people like you, it's people like your husband. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I was so excited to sit down at your table and meet you ladies and find out about the podcast. Um, and I've really enjoyed catching up on some of your episodes and I'm so glad that there are other volunteerist women <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because it's a funny, you know, <laughs> running joke that, you know, where are all the ladies, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, we're here. And, um, I think that was the whole reason RPI had, invited me to speak at their first Mm -hmm. conference was because my husband and I had left the military as conscientious objectors, which is kind of rare 
And the way that's currently structured, or at least when I got out a few years ago, was that you could conscientiously object to war based on a religious or philosophical objection. Mm -hmm. And for both of us, it was philosophical and it was based on the non-aggression principle. So um, as word of that got out, it was kind of like, oh, who are these people? And like, why do they think that way? And um, it really is a worldview that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, It's changed my life. And it all really started with Ron Paul in the 2008 primaries. Oh no, sorry, 2012, 2012. And um, I had written an article a few years ago called Ron Paul, the gateway drug, because that's what he was for me. It was just um, hearing him, listening to him um, on the stage and having this realization, like, I don't care for politics. I really don't care for politicians, Mm -hmm, but here's mm -hmm. this dude who's saying things that jive with my experience overseas and everybody seems to hate him. <laughs> um, like, what's going on here? So mm-hmm. I, you know, we started reading his books, and then we're like, well, who has he read? And that led us to Lou Rockwell and Murray mm-hmm. Rothbard, and um, so many, so many books <laughs> that like mm-hmm. changed my life, my husband's life, and um, ultimately led to the decision for both of us separately that we needed to stop doing what we were doing. And that was that was a really hard couple years because it took a couple years to get out. Mm. So, um, <laughs> just since I had the pleasure of actually meeting you and, you know, chatting a little bit, um, could you give us a little, um, backstory and context maybe like, and even just since I'm in a romantic <laughs> mood, like, did you and your husband actually meet, um, while in service or did you kind of go in together or, um, yeah, we're, um, it's, Interesting, I think, but that's just because I've lived it. Uh, we met at the Air Force Academy. We actually went through basic training together, and I had actually tried to hit on him freshman year, and he just was <laughs> not interested in dating cadets. So mm. uh, we just kind of did our thing. <laughs> um, five years later, in pilot training, um, we were at the same base, and we had started dating then, and we both had airplane assignments to different states at the time. So for about seven years, I think it was three years dating and four years married. We were actually living in separate states. So mm. he was flying fighter jets out of North Carolina, and I was in Special Operations Command um, flying a little single-engine prop down in Florida. And the most time we'd ever spent together was when we were both deployed to Afghanistan at the same time. So, oh, wow. <laughs> magical, A magical little place called Afghanistan. Oh I mean, yeah, by the time he – magical. <laughs> we had um, – I went there five times. He went there twice. um, And I had a few deployments to Africa and also East Asia um, while I was still doing combat deployments. But we had, um, we never actually worked in op together in Afghanistan, but, you know, we'd work with each other's um, colleagues and whatnot quite often. And the airplanes were complimentary. So um, it... (laughs) I guess it's not too romantic, but yeah, we made it through seven years of distance. We actually both had um, an assignment to go fly the same, you know, fly airplanes in England, which if you're in the military and you're still drinking the Kool-Aid, going like ops to ops is Mm -hmm. a really big deal. Like, hey, I'm not going back to teach people or I'm not going to an offline position. I get to stay in an airplane and keep hacking the mission. Um, so he, you know, he was going to go fly the F-15 in England and I switched airplanes and was going to go to England as well, which would be a very desirable assignment. Yeah. Except for this 
philosophical change. Like I'd never come across the non-aggression principle and it changed my life and it really threw into question like everything I was doing. So, you know, we ended up getting, trying to get out before we went to England and it would have been nice to have lived together, you know, in Europe, travel and whatever, and keep doing your job. But when your job is not palatable anymore, then mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really matter what, what carrots you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, that's the short version. We had a long distance relationship. We both came to conscientious objection on like parallel paths. Um, he kind of knew before I did, but I mean, it's a, big process you go through you as soon as you tell your squadron they take you out of your flying squadron because they don't want you in a cockpit and Mm -hmm. then you have to see a chaplain you have to see a psychologist because you must be crazy and (laughs) you have to prove the case like hey you weren't a co when you joined now you are what's changed well of course like isn't that just like of course though like if you had, me, if just like, you would have not joined. Like it's voluntary at this point. You know, it's not like the day and age where you were drafted. So, yeah. like obviously, and it just—I don't understand why people don't think people can't change their minds. And maybe that's just like the yeah. of bureaucracy and the government mm-hmm. period and anybody with that really status mindset. Um, yeah, you know, I was somebody that was a senior in high school when nine eleven happened too. And mm. I was drinking the Kool-Aid hard. <laughs> like I had never planned to join the military. Nobody in my family is real and nobody like very close um, was in it. And They're pouring it. They're pouring oh it on. Gosh, I was like, I'm ready. Sign me up. You know, I got recruited to play soccer at the Air Force Academy. And I was like, okay, my college is paid for. Um, so I just went like on a whim. Yeah, America. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I ended up really liking flying and in special operations, our job was working for all, you know, team six or Delta, or, you know, all these glamorous dudes that they make movies about now. Yeah. And like, while it was cool, it was really cool. And I had a little chip on my shoulder and I was really proud of myself. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that it really messes with your sense of identity when you have to conf- like ask yourself those tough questions. So like, what am I doing? Is it right? you know, can I walk away from this paycheck and these benefits and all these things like the travel and your buddies, like that's really the most important thing is um, I'm flying and I'm doing the same things as all of my friends and they, they don't feel the same way about this. Like, is, is it me? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Am I crazy? Of a journey. Yeah. But yeah, going to that, like, well, how do you go from this, you know, red blooded patriot signing up, doing your service, blah, blah, blah. The NFL loves you. I'd made that joke a long time ago. Because <laughs> like it's it's a very noble profession in our culture. And how do you go from that to saying like I want no part of this and it's immoral? Like not only is it impractical, it's immoral. And uh, like I object. I want to secede. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, they ended up denying my application and his application anyway. So we had to pursue like other means of getting out, and finally we did. So. Yeah, so they make it difficult too. Yeah, I think um, the most difficult hang-up probably was we had gone through pilot training, so you have to serve a certain mm-hmm. number of years after that um, mm-hmm. just to pay back that training too. And I hadn't quite reached that. So to them, 
it's kind of stupid though. Like my last two years anyway, it's like, I don't have wings. I resigned my security clearance. I didn't get my flu shot. So I'm not deployable. Like mm. stupid things. It's like, okay, here you have an officer who like is useless to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so hard to get fired. But you were still <laughs> under their thumb and that's what mattered, you know, like you were still under their control and <laughs> the state doesn't want to give up its slaves, you know, no, 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 I mean, he and I, we, we had like a one-year-old at the time too. By the time he got out, that wasn't planned, but she's here and we love her. <laughs> but that, like we had to have that talk, like, okay, like if they deploy one or both of us, like we're going to get court-martialed and how are we going to handle childcare if we both go to jail or oh my gosh jail like yeah we had all those conversations um before we'd even lived together so (laughs) yeah it was a really big serious thing it was probably the hardest two years of my life I'd say but so far you know who knows what's ahead but (laughs) um it was hard but I don't regret it for a minute I sleep well at night because nothing I'm doing is morally ambiguous Mm -hmm. and that's how um combat deployments felt (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, yeah we could talk all day about it <laughs> yeah no but um so you're both a little older than I am but I feel like it's just an interesting time for us to be alive and and like anytime it doesn't hit the news often other than to like you know beat the beat the war drums but um you know, I, I, I feel like there are certain parallels between like now and maybe what's um, in different aspects, like, and what we kind of saw as a country back when the draft was like a thing and people did get drafted and they had to go um, and do things. And if they didn't, you know, they faced potential jail time, you know, they fled the country to avoid it. And, um, it's, it is interesting, like, how I've changed personally over the years since listening and finding Ron Paul, Rand Paul, and falling down this hole of, um, you know, this rabbit hole freedom <laughs> of reading and just, like, asking yourself the hard questions. Because, yeah. you know, it really comes from just, can I live with myself if I do this or mm-hmm. believe this? Or is this what I'm doing consistent with this that I believe in or that I've been taught. And um, as soon as you start hearing like those responses back from yourself, you're like, Oh crap. Like I've got to change. I got to do something. But um, so like my perspective of, and I'm sure I'm not alone, um, but like draft dodgers, right? Like how un-American, <laughs> like how criminal, how cowardly. And it's like, and I think about it now and I'm like, I absolutely would not go. I can't like, I absolutely can't go. And so, yeah. you know, I think there's no reason why that kind of change, like now that I said, like I said earlier, that it's voluntary for people to join um, and enlist, you know, if they have that wake up moment, like during their service, I, uh, yeah, (laughs) like that's when you probably start losing sleep and, and hair (laughs) and and your body. That's where they target the young. I mean, I would, I would, dude, I was gung ho. I was like, I'm 18. Like, this is exciting. It's glamorous. I'm going to get like a lot of basic needs taken care of, but I didn't even think about that. I was just so ready to go do my duty. Um, And like, heaven forbid, like you don't change your mind on anything between like 18 and 36. That would be a tragedy. That means you've not 
done mm-hmm. anything, anything. Like, challenged yourself ever right. ever right you so, basically just been an npc yeah kind of um and you're really you're really a cog in somebody else's wheel um mm-hmm. but that was one of the the hangups for me um getting out was like I could tell you and just anybody, it's really ironic, you know, having pulled out of Afghanistan, like, you know, a few months ago, I think yeah. you would have had the same exact result two years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years yeah. ago. And like, mm-hmm. we've just wasted a lot of lives. Like yeah. there's ours, everybody's property, everything we've printed a ton of money and a lot of people have gotten rich. Um, but that's it. Like it's not made any difference. So it feels like I wasted a really long part of my life. And I think many of my colleagues feel that way. But if you asked any like Afghan war vet, they'd say the same thing. Like this is not practical. This is going to result in blowback. This is not going to get us the desired ends that we want. Mm-hmm. So I was very comfortable. I was like, okay, like I, I agree all these things. It's not practical. It's not going to work going to create blowback. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm putting my trust in the big powers that be. Um, and then it, when it became a moral issue, um, really wasn't until I studied the non-aggression principle. And that was like 18 months of like reading. <laughs> um, I had a really hard time pulling the trigger on leaving until I read The Ethics of Liberty by Murray Rothbard. Mm. And he talks about contracts and contract law. And the way I've been raised and the way I am now is like, you do what you say you're going to do. I'm not going to defraud anybody. And I was like, look, my commitment's not up. I still owe this time. It's wrong for me to leave. And then when I read that book, it was like, no, like these guys broke their end of the contract a long time ago. Like this isn't defense. Like I, and then I come home, you know, to all this, it's like, I'm not preserving anybody's freedoms. I'm like, sure as heck not fighting for your freedoms 5,000 miles away. Like, all we've done there, well, we've done a lot of things there, but <laughs> from my perspective, we were working a lot of raids and it's like, we're the dudes that like an entire generation thinks of us when we like knock on their door at 2 a.m. and we shoot the dog and take the dad. And it's like, we're the bad guys. Dude, I mean, but I, but I just had such a mental hang up and that was a big hurdle for me to say like, yeah. well, my time's not up. And I, I said that I would do this time. And then when I read Ethics of Liberty, I was just, that kind of allowed me to proceed. It's like, dudes, you guys haven't been like honest about any of this. <laughs> All right. Because they started on lies. You know, I've lost like eight buddies in airplane accidents in Afghanistan or other places, Africa and whatnot. It's like, they're not coming back. Like, it's a tragic waste. It's a fucking waste of their lives. And they're smart, you know, mm-hmm. capable, fit, nice, good people. It's a waste. So I had written some article last year that um, about Memorial Day. And it was just, um, it's always like a, a hard one because I miss the people. I miss the friends. Like I'm, it's a tragedy for like their families, their kids, their spouses. You don't get to come back. So as far as I know, but um, it was just like, well, it's all, what's it for? And it's the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Vietnam was like that. Korea was like that. World War II was like that. Yeah. I have no issue with anybody. Most everybody around the world is just trying to provide for their family. It's like they don't have issues with each other. So I really believe government's evil. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, and yeah. um, yeah. Have you ever, um, have you ever listened to or talked to the biting the bullet guys? No. 
they're ex-marines that were over in um you know non-combat but japan oh Um, and they're awesome and hilarious and it was funny because like they became more full like ant caps after getting out but (laughs) kind of like reflecting on their experience and just like what others they knew were doing and then how kind of pissed off they were at their treatment and like just like coming what they were expected to do and and um you know what what the country they came home to afterwards like you were kind of saying and um but yeah they were when they were on our show they actually we had them on our show this past memorial day like around then so yeah we try we like to um bring in some like you know non-conventional um like anti-war guests when it's uh one of those (laughs) state holidays but um so yeah they were you know one of the things they were telling us which probably isn't news to most people and especially not you but just um like how much they the recruiters do prey on the young and the unfortunate um you know Mm -hmm. they come from poor backgrounds (laughs) And well, took care of your travel and your healthcare people are, and people your are education lost. and I mean you actually get paid pretty well. Like even as an enlisted person, like your paychecks not all that much, but you've got clothing, you've got food allowance, you've got housing allowance. I mean there's it's a lot taken care of. There's a <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Like when I got out, I didn't know how to fill a prescription. That was so embarrassing. I was just like, Oh, I need to go get this <laughs> thing, like <laughs> but um yeah it was you had just reminded me of something and I lost oh just being involved in things that like when you look back it's so clear and we did in special operations like a lot of raids um, that we would help facilitate and sometimes a hostage rescue but one thing that really stood out to me at the time um, when I was getting my master's degree we had some involvement in targeting Anwar Al-Awlaki and his 16 year old son who were drone bombed, U.S. citizens, never charged with a crime. So I wrote like this 16-page paper on the extrajudicial killing of Anwar al-Awlaki. And Mm -hmm. that was about the time um, I was also getting into all this other stuff. And it was like, man, you're asking me to do something that like not even, without even the non-aggression principle. It's like, I don't even think this is legal according. And I don't even follow the constitution right now. Anyway, I think it's dead leather and (laughs) it's created what we have but like at the time I was just like dude we're killing U.S. citizens like with your tax dollars and like these are U.S. like um you know just doing ops like that when you look back it's like man this is so stupid and it's it's immoral and it's evil and um and it's so difficult to pull away from that because everything that you're doing like you really care about the people around you and you're doing it for like the buddy next to you. And I I think so many veterans would tell you throughout centuries that like what they were doing wasn't for, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the overall purpose. It's to preserve, you know, the the lives of those around you who you care about and you've been through hell and back with. And it's just like, there's nothing new under the sun. It's really sad, but yeah. yeah. Like you keep saying that phrase and it, I, it, our friend, um, our producer, Ryan, who's probably going to edit this for us. Um, he's been saying that a lot recently in relation to like just the things that they keep, the webs they keep weaving with um, oh COVID and the carrot dangling. And, you yeah. know, and so actually, and I wouldn't have made this connection um, 
maybe so easily or so quickly, but, and so the fact that you're a conscientious objector to the wars that, and um, operations that you were involved in, it's like, and people, especially like these, those that are in power and the authority mm-hmm. figures that um, sort of rule over us, unfortunately, it's like they, it's up to them, their whims that your religious or philosophical objection meets mm-hmm. their standards. And it's like absolutely none of their business. And mm-hmm. for me, that's like the, the, how I feel about these mandates, mm-hmm. these vaccination mandates. And it's like, you need somebody's, you need somebody else to approve of what you believe in or who you believe in. Yeah. That's and ridiculous. I, it's insane. I've had family members that have had their religious exemptions, um, you know, denied. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. you're, you're, that's between you and, you know, none other. Nobody yeah. of this earth. I had to help a yeah, close family member with theirs. Um, and I, I was like, I'm going to do some research on this. And it sounded so much like the conscientious objection um, <laughs> process. Regulation, or- which I had read the whole thing, you know, many times. But when I was reading, um, this was for an immediate family member, their employer, you know, sent this link like, hey, you know, we strongly encourage people. If you don't want it, you have to get an exemption. And mm-hmm. like, here's the um, guidelines we're going off of. So I clicked that link and it was some law firm that they hired. And it was like, you can call in to question their motives or if they don't trust it or if it's, tra- you know, if it's um, just not wanting to get this one. But not. it was just like, you've given yourself so many outs. This is meaningless. But the yeah. connection, I mean, the nice thing I'll say is like, we lived in California. We just moved out of there um, like eight months ago. But when California announced its shutdowns like last March, I mean, right away, my husband and I could smell bullshit. And mm-hmm. I remember we were in a hotel at the time because our house had burned down the month before. And it's really mm-hmm. a long story. <laughs> we had a heck of a oh, year. So welcoming. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then we had a baby. It was nuts. But um, I remember we were like sitting in the hotel room and we heard something or I saw it on the computer and it was like, you know, California shutting down. And we didn't know what that meant in terms of like, are we going to be able to travel? Do you have roadblocks? But we looked at each other and just like, this isn't going away. And for me, the connection has always been like, I know that our government is willing to lie to us about foreign policy. So it is no stretch at all. For me to believe they're lying about this thing <laughs> or oh, whatever yeah. else it happens to be. Um, mm-hmm. We're full and caps anyway, but just, I mean, that we've had the plan to leave California for years and that really accelerated it. Because um, it's like, okay, like th- this is never going back. And you've already set the precedent that you can tell people like when they can go out and who they can see and whether they have to wear a fight, like face diaper and yeah. not that so-and-so gets to die alone in a nursing home. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, um, I really feel like we're in unprecedented times. It's the only times I've ever lived in, but um, <laughs> most older people around me say that too. Like, oh, I've never seen it like this or I've never seen it so divisive or so mm-hmm. who knows? it's an interesting time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know that, one of the things that I was comparing like the mandated vaccination with is like just it's rape because the, yeah. the last thing that you own is your own body. And if they can force something into it that you don't want, I mean, that's yeah. rape. I mean, it's from there. Yeah. And you, I mean, you know, if you were talking to any liberal or any conservative and you were to sit them down and tell them like, okay, 
So when is rape okay? Can you talk yourself into like forcing somebody to have sex with you? Oh, that sounds ridiculous, right? Okay, well then this is ridiculous too, that you would expect everybody to be okay with taking this one thing. Yep. Especially when people like have, uh, I actually got an email from a, somebody, a listener who was telling me that his wife had a history of Gambray syndrome. Yeah. And they were threatening her job if she didn't get the vax. So she did. And then she's been sick ever since. Oh, geez. So, That's awful. Awful. It, but like those stories aren't unique either. Well, in the way Probably. to me, it seems similar to, you know, when they were uh, conscripting people for uh, Vietnam, you know, the, the people that could get out of it were the rich, white, you know, privileged people. The people that couldn't get out of it were connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same. Um, and the, it was really ironic, you know, reflecting on military service and all this load of crap we feed ourselves. It's like, we're protecting our freedoms. Mm -hmm. and it's like, you just told me my neighbors can't go out past 10. Like, exactly. Not free. Yep. <laughs> like, what do you, that word doesn't mean what I think you think it means. So it's been really frustrating, but one of the analogies I saw on Facebook, uh, which I lovingly call fascist book, but I'm still mm -hmm. on there. Um, but that is similar to what you just said is like the Harvey Weinstein, or I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Weinstein, whatever, the producer. Well, we, know, we know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm not forcing you to have sex with me, but you can't work if mm -hmm. you don't. So yeah. I like everybody sees how wrong that is um and mm -hmm. it's just cognitive dissonance and really the level of cognitive dissonance or applying the same principle inconsistently has just really been on full display for two years now and that's that's tough i feel like if you're going to hold a principle like apply it consistently like, yeah that's it's not worth anything and that's been probably the hardest thing about the last couple of years is the yeah. inconsistency. And I, I don't know yeah. if it's by design to make us go crazy or <laughs> Maybe a little. what. Well, I think it was Frederick Douglass. He said, um, you have as many rights as you're willing to like push back on. And mm -hmm. if you're not willing to fight for it, then it's not that important. Or if you're not willing to evade it or escape it or whatnot, I'm paraphrasing him, but um and I, I really feel like that's what's happened. It's like in the name of safety, um, we've allowed people to dictate so much of your personal life. And it was really bad in California. <laughs> it's, it's very telling when you're, when you're quoting Frederick Douglass, who was a yeah. born a slave, yeah. who took matters into his own hands and escaped. Yeah. And then not only did that, but he educated himself and he taught, yeah, he taught people how to read. He taught, he talked about what freedom really is. Mm -hmm. And he's probably one of the most like, uh, I mean, I would say uh, uh, the abolitionist movement, he's probably one of the most like important yeah, people. Incredible. Yep. And I mean, to fight for freedom, to get freedom, it's not easy. No. And no, I think we've that's been diluted into thinking like these yeah. foreign wars are like how we fight for freedom. And yeah, I'm like mm -hmm. uber progressive friends last year, like she, she's like, can I share your Memorial Day post? 
And I was like, yeah, sure. And she shared it. And she's like, this is why you should wear a mask, people. And I'm like, you just missed the whole point. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. No, no. The whole point was like, we're not actually free. And everything we just spent 10 years doing is, is, yeah. Um, (laughs) I've not told her that we're not that close, but it was just, um, yeah, people just can't apply principles logically and consistently. And I think that's a dying art form (laughs) or way to live. I think it was Thomas Paine that said, um, like it matters a principle, stand like a rock and matters a fashion, go with the tide. It's like, if Mm -hmm. the stuff doesn't matter, like who cares? Um, if it matters, stand fast. So yeah, um, I, I hope that like the last year and a half are encouraging more people to figure out what it is they actually care about and stick to it. <laughs> well, I think the thing that drives me crazy is it's people are more interested in trying to be alive rather than actually live. You know, let I, I don't. This isn't even killing that many people. <laughs> and, exactly. And, and the perspective is completely lost on people. Yeah. It's like. Um, how many, how many times do you have to be told that you need to get a booster and that you still have to wear a mask, even though you've had the both shots and then, um, we're still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times do you have to be told that your freedom is, are not coming back even yeah. no, no matter how many times you comply yeah. before you realize they're not going to give it back to you. You're going to have to just refuse to follow. That's what you're going to have to do. Do you care about it enough? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's also part of the programming that, um, you know, I know, and I hear so many people even complain about and have complained all year about like, you know, it's not about liberty or it's not about your, you know, freedoms and what we, and your, your individual rights. It's about the greater good and like protecting people and grandma. And, um, but I think, you know, part of the programming of like our freedoms are things that are only found across the water in far mm. off places. And as long as our military is there interfering, mm. you know, our freedoms are being protected. So, you know, we're good here, no matter what happens, unless, here. unless, uh, you know, orange Cheeto man, Hitler is, um, <laughs> Literally speaking, Hitler. Is breathing. Um, yeah, yeah. Only, only then is there a threat. Yeah. And now they're talking about how he's staging another coup. <laughs> Oh God, I haven't heard about that. <laughs> no, I mean, that was, I mean, I don't, it's like you had asked, um, Jesse is like, how many times, like, do you have to witness an inconsistency or whatnot? And just like the stupid ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. It's like orange man said it, orange man bad. Mm-hmm. Like if this is really a pandemic and people are dropping dead everywhere, like, shouldn't we be happy for as many treatment options as possible? Yeah. Like, Shouldn't let's we try it all try whatever they want to do but um that's just that intellectual break where um people have allowed themselves to be politicized and um you know we would always have this phrase i think it was like in the military but you hear it elsewhere too like safety first whatever you do mm-hmm. like safety first and we're always you know we always brief safety for flights obviously there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that can kill you um and just last year and a half it's like okay safety above everything and safety and safety is prime and i'm gonna write a blog for our farm that's like safety seventh um because Mm -hmm. if safety first like nothing's ever gonna happen um like i will never use the wood chipper or i will never move my animals or i will never help pull a calf out because i could get like there's just you Mm -hmm. can't always make it safety first and so many people have been really happy to swallow that pill so 
um, we take pleasure in living a life that has calculated risk. <laughs> yes, and I think that we've seen what one of the things about this, like the lockdowns, is we've been seeing a lot of suicides and um, people going back to using drugs again. And because when you take away people's quality of life and mm-hmm. they don't see anything worth living for, that's what happens. And to me, that's more of an epidemic than anything, I mean, a virus could ever be. Tom Woods gave a really resounding speech on that in 2020. Like October of 2020, we went to the Mises Institute Supporters Summit. Mm-hmm. It was in Jekyll Island where they started yeah. the film. It was like the best weekend of my life. Just I think I was up. there like a week later. Oh, right. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, uh, oh, it's okay. It was so good. Um, but he gave this speech back then called the fact-free COVID dystopia. Mm-hmm. And he thought yep. exact, oh, like I'm getting chills thinking about it. Like it was standing ovation. Everybody was like freaking out because he just spoke to all those things. It's like, this is what makes life worth living mm-hmm. and stealing it. Or you're telling people that live hand to mouth that have to work every single day to feed themselves. Like they can't go out and work. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was such a good speech. It's available on, you know, Mises.org or I yeah. don't know if it's YouTube anymore. I think they he, might've pulled it, but. That was part of it. Like his that. thing. Yeah. Like it, it got pulled from YouTube and maybe even Facebook. And, um, but I know he put it out as an episode um, yeah. at some point. Yeah. And yeah, right. was that was a good speech. He's been uh, one of the, um, best yeah. of course it's very memorable to like be there while this is all oh, falling man. <laughs> yeah. um, just honestly meeting you know 300 other liberty-minded people and hugging and sharing a oh, cocktail yeah. table and uh, oh but we're a small tiny minority according to no. mm-hmm. yeah it's like throw the t- <laughs> on, go talk to your neighbor and this is how I know that it's not that we're not a tiny minority because I went to a Tim Dillon show this weekend and <gasps> oh, how was that it was great, but um, I, you know, I thought I had checked all the protocols for what we had to do. But let me just tell you, Atlanta is like the ball sack of Ooh. America. So um, <laughs> I mean, there's just that's the nicest thing I can say about it. Um, not the people, just the city and the city planners. They they are awful. Mm. <laughs> but uh, the tabernacle decided ah, that they were there. going to, that they're going to do the vaccine passport or a negative test before you can get in i did not know any of this Mm, so they had these like people to give you a test that you have to pay 20 bucks for so you can go see your show that you already paid ticket you know paid money for so on top of that you're paying another 20 bucks for to get a test that you know you're gonna be negative on because i had covid back in august so i'm i don't i'm not gonna be positive for it um Unless you get a false positive and then your whole life just gets screwed up. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> and know. Then, um, you know, we get back in line and we're, I mean, we've, we, the whole time we were there, like we were talking to other people that were like, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Even if, I mean, these vaccines, people should be getting tested because they could easily have it and give it to everybody. Oh, you know, we all knew it was bullshit. And I'm talking yeah. to complete strangers I've never met before in my whole life. And we all are on the same page. I'm just, that's why I know we're not a small minority. Yeah. Yeah, Especially the more they keep pushing us, too. Yeah. And I am from Tennessee. So, like, here, we don't do anything. Like, yeah. we're, we are living like it's 2012. It's fine. 
um, except for some but you might see. <laughs> yeah, we might see some yeah. people that have masks. Yeah. But, Bodies in the streets. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, but I, it was so odd going down to Atlanta, which is not that far from where I live, and it be a completely different. I mean, we were the only people in the grocery store without a mask on. Granted, it was like one of those Trader Joe, like hipster, mm-hmm. you know, places. They're so progressive and tolerant. Yeah. yeah. And even the guy, when we were checking out, he asked us what we were doing. I was like, oh, we're going to go see Tim Dillon tonight. And he's like, I've never heard of him. And in my head, I'm like, I know you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but you You're should. at Trader Joe's. That's why. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the cities are bad. I mean, we, we were living in like the East Bay. So East of San Francisco, you know, up until May of this year. And then we drove across the whole country to move. We've got a big farm in Virginia now and uh, we've completely changed our lifestyle, but it's um, you could definitely see it. And it's like, um, if <laughs> there's my favorite, one of my favorite memes is like, well, how do you keep yourself safe from all the new variants? And it's a picture of a guy like putting in earplugs. <laughs> exactly. Um, all yeah. you have to do is stop complaining. Turn off the TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turn off the TV and just say no. Mm-hmm. Like, make them fire you. Like, yeah them confront you like i drove four hours to go to a costco the other day <laughs> and the guy was like miss where's your mask and i was like i just drove from virginia i just want to get some groceries like while i'm in raleigh <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like well you gotta have it and um i like took it i was like thanks and then i gave it to my four-year-old who put it like on top of his head like a parachute like, good okay we're all safe now yep thank you ridiculous thank you for your doing your part but just say no yeah he was like oh, i just have to do what i'm told yeah it's it's ridiculous and yeah. I, I was actually i'm a nurse so i was faced with the uh, possibility of having to be vaccinated luckily like and this is what makes me mad is it took so long for the courts to finally just say this is unconstitutional we're not going to do this and mm-hmm. i've already had friends who've lost their jobs and or got vaccinated or got, or got grabbed, yeah. to save their to save their jobs and i everybody that i know in my personal life right now except for one they got vaccinated against their will they didn't want it so that's to me like, that's, that's not, such a violation yeah and they feel violated because yeah. they're watching all these variants come through and the news telling them that they they need to keep doing more stuff and they still need to wear a mask or they still need to not go to you know your family's house for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, they're pissed. Yeah. I'm surprised by people's tolerance for bullshit. I am too. I'm it really I'm does surprise bad me. For them. Yeah. We have a very low bullshit tolerance so yeah i think that i've said it before like previous episodes that's one of the reasons that like i like i've i'm a bullshitter so i i know how to bullshit and then i think i have a pretty good other than being a little gullible sometimes like but um (laughs) i do have a pretty good like bullshit detector so then that kind of started going off and i'm just like no and and like you already said we already know that the their oh, yeah. track record is that they lie to us about much bigger things, <laughs> much time. bigger catastrophes and and yeah. world events. So yeah. you know, this is this was it started out as a piece of cake for them too, because you know they had just like run the tabletop exercise on it uh, a few months prior. Yeah, and, and I've showed I've put that. I remember when that first came out, and everybody was 
saying, oh, well, COVID really is like something we need to worry about. And they're all panicking. And I show, I, I put that whole event 201 on my <laughs> Facebook feed. Like, I think maybe two people watched it. And it's just like, you guys have the information. You have access to all the information you ever could ever need to know what I know. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, ha I, I have no choice but to listen to what you guys listen to because it's on you know the television when you go to the airport it's it's everywhere you go if you're working out at the gym there's yeah. always a cnn or msnbc right there telling yeah, you all that stuff yeah you know, yeah so i mean i have i've heard your side of the story you don't even give my side of the story a glance so yeah. you can't tell me i mean i just don't i will not listen to your opinion on things because you are not well-rounded yeah, no, I love the, I love the, I've done my research and it's like, oh, have you? So like, I love when they tell me that yeah. I don't, I haven't done research and me and Maddie have literally had toxicologists and <laughs> occupational hygienists and doctors and nurses. We've had all kinds of people here that we've talked to but live. They're not the right ones, not the, right experts. the wrong ones. Exactly. Uh, the, one of the things that really stood out to me, and it's more of like a human psychology thing is one people don't like to admit that they're wrong just generally that was really hard i mean we but like we had to live through that like hey i was wrong to join the military and i joined under the wrong premises and i've been doing the wrong thing and like it sucked mm. <laughs> i think of like my friends i've lost i think of all kinds of things like it came at a very high cost so i can empathize very much with somebody not wanting to think Right. I've been wrong about this. Like if, mm -hmm. and I have good friends in California that literally went a whole year. I had clients, um, I sold real estate out there. They're like, didn't see their parents or they didn't let grandkids see their, you know, grandparents mm -hmm. for a yep. year or they didn't see their friends or they wouldn't allow hugs. And it's like, okay, it's a sunk cost analysis at that point. Like if you've sacrifice so much of your family's life and well-being i can understand it would be so hard to admit like i was wrong i messed that whole year up like people just don't like that and the second thing i thought that was really like in the human psych psychology realm is i think the way our lives are structured today is people have very little meaning or purpose mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we innately have a need to rally around something or to mm -hmm. feel like we're part of a community and i mean frankly that was one thing that the military was very good at building is like you have a purpose and you care about your buddies and blah 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 but i think there's so many people who i mean we're separated from our families like you do you even know your neighbors that well like you don't even see your kids that much because they go off to school you go off to work you come home you spend a couple hours it's just I think for many people, yeah, it's it's not a fulfilling life. So now this big scary thing happens, and people are like, "I'm doing my part. Like I'm on the winning team. Like I'm <laughs> my like, Yeah. No, it's like yeah. This is. I mean, that's what the whole Karen thing is. Yeah. Um, somebody who I think probably doesn't have much purpose, and there's this just Trojan horse in front of them. That's like you can be part of the solution, and you can make this better, and you're doing your part, and I think that gives people meaning. And I think that's why some people really cling to it, which is sad. I mean, you have to yeah. write. <laughs> and I, I agree with that. And I would just say even further that I think that a lot of us don't have any problems to solve. Mm. So we make problems so that we can solve them. <laughs> yeah.
That's a good yeah. rule for relationships. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I just, yeah, I think that's why there's, I, I think that's why even with all the bullshit and like all the confusing signals and all of the like clearly ridiculous things that have happened in the last year and a half that people are still buying it. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's shocking. It is. <laughs> It's very. It it is. I was just. I was even expressing that to my like family today. Um, We're the unwashed, and we're all. We're all in too. Yeah, like (laughs) especially my family that still lives in Montgomery County, Maryland. The Montgomery County, Maryland, like eligible vax rate is ninety nine plus percent, but you know they're on their third round. Yeah, it's scary, and it's like so. What my family is the remaining point yeah. whatever percent okay <laughs> yeah that that makes you feel really alone when you hear when you see stats like that but moco is on its uh you know at least third round of uh mask yeah. mandates and i'm very surprised like it it it's not i don't know and i'm i don't want to like jinx anything but um that they're not as a county gonna like start asking talking about the passport again or something awful yeah. like that we just really need to, it's funny because um, I was on a call today with um, one of my doctors and one of my clients and, you know, it's similar, like they are doomers. So it was like, you know, absolutely like dark winter coming and, um, you know, dark times ahead and hospitals are short staffed and going to be overrun. And, and so, um, you know, just hope, you know, keep your head down. And, uh, and uh, you know, their keep your head down is very different from what my keep your head down is, but it's like, we do just kind of need to keep, keep standing strong and, and keep holding, holding fast. You never thought like living a normal life would be making a stand. Oh yeah. Like, like having a birthday party for my five-year-old in California with 40 people. It's like, let's share a cake and we're running around and we're all at the park. It's like, that shouldn't even be a big deal, but, um, it was a moral crime. Like, yes. done that. yeah, yeah, exactly. Some people still is. Yeah. Yep. We're in a pretty free County I'd say now. Um, which is nice. It's been like a breath of fresh air, but you know, when we go into the the towns or the cities around us, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll see, I mean, there's Virginia Tech's just on the road. So okay. your typical college mm-hmm. town, lots of brainwashing, lots of yep. indoctrination. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, we just do our thing. There's, and somebody out here, they're like, you're taking your kids to the movies. Like, what if they make you wear masks? I'm like, we don't, we don't have masks. Like I just won't give them my money. We'll go yeah. do something else fun. Um, yeah. so mm-hmm. I feel like we're just crying. I mean, yeah, you're just chronically trying to live a normal life. And I feel like that has become your active rebellion now. Just confusing. Yeah. I called somebody, they're like, well, we're doing the Nutcracker Ballet for homeschool kids. Like, it's 10 bucks a family. Do you want to come? I'm like, yeah. Like, what rules do you have? They're like, we follow the CDC guidance. I'm like, ah, I'm going to spend my money elsewhere, but thanks. It would have mm-hmm. been fun. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. like, hopefully enough people just get that feedback at some point. So. I yeah. like a lot of people are just still playing pandemic. <laughs> playing it. It's yeah, definitely like a-, a weird game for losers, actually. So sorry. Sorry, everybody. You're a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> like, Seriously, like when does it stop though? I don't know. Like when they're ready to play a new game. 
which you know yeah we had some really good friends that we'd hang out with all the time in california and then everything happened in 2020 and like we didn't see them for like a year they just kind of self-isolated um and we've been back in touch since and the wife said something to me she said i realize now that like masks were the hill to die on because now her you know four and five year old kids are the only ones not in their school and they're being pressured to vaccinate their kids because it's approved for five and up and blah 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 Mm-hmm. And that just stood out to me. I was like, yes, like we've been here all along. Like, and, yeah. It, and as much as you hate us, mm-hmm. we are here fighting so that you have a choice this actual at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, my fear is that it, the awakening won't happen until more people are hurt by these vaccines. And it's got so apparent that you can't, they, that they can't hide it anymore yeah. or that they, we 20 years down the road, all these people are dying from the, the same kinds of cancer or yeah. whatever. That's, yeah. that's the thing I'm worried about. Yeah. I don't want it to be that, that wakes us up. I want us to wake up before. Yeah. Yep. And then, and it really should just be as simple as like, I just don't want to do it and I don't need to explain it to you. Yeah, kind of like, I don't want to have sex with you. I don't need to tell you why. I just know it's a complete sentence. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It just is. Um, and that's, you know, to your point earlier about, well, how do you talk to people about it? And can you talk yourself into when rape works? Like, I thought that's a really good thought exercise for people. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is no not enough? Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, you could make the argument that the vaccine is good for you or whatever, but, you know, sex can be good too. But if it's yeah. with somebody that you don't like, it's not good. And yeah. so therefore, no. There's uh, this guy, Bob Mahan, and I learned of him years ago from the woman who also like inspired me to eat a certain way and homeschool our kids and blah, blah, blah. But he has this great post that says, you know, forced lovemaking isn't lovemaking, it's rape. Mm-hmm. Like forced charity is not charity, it's theft. You know, mm-hmm. forced work is not work it's slavery and like you can't pretend that it's the same thing when you put the word forced into it and somebody's not performing an action if they're not free to not perform it and Mm -hmm. it's like totally and i mean we you know try to apply that raising kids and whatnot and it's tough like you find yourself oh am i being a hypocrite right now but like yeah can i force you to do this or am i gonna be a tyrant (laughs) or whatnot (laughs) like yeah don't you just do what i want you to do (laughs) but um that's really the heart of it is um if you actually believe that people own themselves and i can't think of a better argument for like why they wouldn't um you have to allow people to say no and to have mm-hmm. freedom to associate and disassociate and opt out. And um, that's why it just blows my mind that you, you and your husband both like said, Hey, I don't want to, you know, do this anymore. And they make you do all these things, like yeah. jump through all these hoops just to yeah. get out. I mean, that down anyway. <laughs> it just blows my mind. Well, I think that's a good like key insight into private versus public and really i think we live in like a fascist state anyway because private are so intertwined Mm -hmm. but like if you were a little business owner and you had somebody say i don't want to work here anymore i don't believe in what we're doing like great like god bless go on your way and i'm finding somebody else but like the public sector has no incentive for good service or efficiency Mm -hmm. they've got a captive tax base yeah they've Mm -hmm. got 
like the Fed is really, I think, the root of most evil because it's like they can, you know, just print what they need to do what they need to do, but they have no incentive. Uh, like, that's why they take you out of the flying squadron. They're like, well, we know we don't want you in an airplane, like flying it, but like, why would you ever, if somebody says, I'm not down with this, like, why would you not let them go? Uh, yeah. Just let them out. I mean, it's the, I'm, like, I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. <laughs> Here, read <yeah>. some record. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think like in your case, they make it so hard because mm -hmm. if it was easy, they would probably lose a shit ton of people. That'd be a good check on the system. Yeah. It'd be a really good check on the system. But I, you know, my husband and I both think it like, um, we both got approved for like the first four levels of our chains of command. And then when you got up to the secretary of the air force, um, which is I think the highest civilian position in the air force or whatever, it's defense of the institution. Okay. It's like, hey, you've got, you know, two high-performing officers with a lot of decorations between them, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about, I mean, that was kind of my goal. I was like, I talked to anybody I could. I was like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, let's go grab a coffee. So, you know, I wouldn't want somebody like that in my organization. So in my opinion, obviously they, they should have just, they should just let anybody go that doesn't want to go because questions mm -hmm. of life and death are important and they matter. Mm -hmm. People should ask them. And mm -hmm. that was one thing from my RPI speech, like five years ago, I was like, you know, I don't know if I would have made a different decision when I was 18, but I didn't even think to ask myself what does it mean to take part in killing somebody you've never met? Like you don't know yeah. the standard right. of killing them is very low. Um, you know, military aged male, <laughs> almost everybody looks like that from a sensor yeah. at thousand feet. But um, I just didn't even, and that's before, that's before mm -hmm. like calling into question the reason to do so. Like, well, you know, because yeah. we've all been taught that um, like war is a good and necessary thing. Like world war two was, just great and we had to do it because mm -hmm. the nazis and then um you know it's strong well do we just think life is cheap though and so it doesn't matter i mean that's another thing i, I kind of wonder too because you know these yeah. policies that we've done with covid have killed a lot of people to be mm -hmm. quite honest oh totally and, um people putting a lot of people's lives in misery and yeah. And then when you think about the military too, it's like, um, I mean, they obviously think life is cheap up on the top, no, you know, totally. they, they mm -hmm. let's get these young kids Fine. whose life have their whole lives ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Let's brainwash them into this and tell them that this is like the best thing they're ever going to do with their whole lives. And, you know, and then put them through things that no human being can fathom. Yeah. You and know, then, yeah. And then when they come back and they can't cope, we'll just throw pills at them. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money to be made there, but yeah. you're right. Like it, it definitely sends the message like life is cheap. And I think that's why you see like so many veteran suicides. Um, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of veterans suffer from moral injury and it's not PTSD, it's not like a physiological reaction to a noise or a sound or a sight that triggers something, it's moral injury. Like something mm. in yourself knows, or like is questioning like what is wrong or like, hey, 
I'm like, I'll never forget. This was like, it's embarrassing to talk about now, but you know, we, we had our cameras and I remember there was an op and we were talking, you know, fighters in, you know, bombing a guy that was running away from a raid. And I wasn't on that flight, but we were all watching in the talk and, you know, a fighter jet puts down a bomb and it misses the guy. And everybody's like, oh man. And you see this human like on a camera, like get up and scramble down a hill and roll. Manage to escape. Oh, he's trying to escape. I like getting chills thinking about it. And the second bomb got him. And, you know, like we're all sitting like eating popcorn and watching this like it's a TV show. And I think about that now and it makes me sick. It's like, what a culture of death mm-hmm. um, and, and sickness. And like, that's maybe somebody's dad or somebody's son or he's somebody. We don't know yeah. who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably yeah. a farmer who's been coerced in a service. Like, yep. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the point is, we don't really know. And after like five deployments of stuff like that or going back, it's like we're just circling the same targets or chasing the same low-level dudes. That was easy to say this isn't practical. And then, you know, eventually say this isn't even, this isn't even moral. And like, I'm ashamed that I can sit there and watch somebody run for their life and like be callous about it. But I, you know, I do remember in basic training, I mean, I'm like 18 and this is at the academy and we still, they had a little bit of hazing back there or whatever, but the, um, they would like always show us, was it warheads on foreheads? which is, you know, videos from fighter jets dropping bombs on people or on buildings. And they'd be playing that song that the bodies hit the floor and we'd all be mm. like crammed into a, you know, theater and watching this and it's loud. And I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, it's like, oh, this is totally brainwashing. It's desensitizing me to, yeah. I mean, and, and I thought that way and I lived that way and I was, um, you know, it's it's embarrassing, but I'm glad I've like come out of that. Where yeah. uh, you know, I, I think it's horrifying to like sit there like, oh, we got a big target today. It's like it's not the target, mm. it's a fucking human. It's a person, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a human, yeah. Um, and it could easily, <laughs> it could just as easily be any of us, you know. Oh, totally. Any of the roles were reversed, especially you know, because yeah. as we've yeah. already said, they have brought the war home for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. It's um yeah it's it's in Australia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, that's so bad right there. And bad. frankly it's um you know I don't know if I'm a pacifist. I don't, I don't think I'm a pacifist like I I own guns and I enjoy shooting and you know I think I'd shoot somebody that came to our door with oh, bad <laughs> If anybody hurt my children or tried to I I don't think I'd have a problem shooting them but just seeing what's happening there like to me is like okay this is exhibit A like why people have to be able to maintain a, a way to defend themselves. It's exactly. like they are a penal colony all over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 50 years later, we're back to being a prison colony. It's how they started, how they are. Yeah. How yeah. They, they yeah. Reverted to. yeah. It's pretty sad. It's crazy times we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I, I think um, Jesse's right too. I don't think we're really a minority. I think you just have to find each other. Um, but I That's think why I just keep talking. I just, just spread away out. the living crap out of people around me. Because yep. yeah. then somebody will hear it and be like, yep. that, girl's, that girl's got it. Yeah. <laughs> I love those people. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> people watch yeah. what we do, just living normally. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I personally think that me and a couple other people at our, at the Panera that I go to, we're responsible for why, like everybody just stopped wearing masks one day because I just stopped wearing a mask when I would go in there. And then like every week that I would go, it was like less and less masks until like now nobody wears a mask there. did that on a plane once. (laughs) It's actually, it was kind of like a challenge. And my husband, he's like, I don't even want to fly anymore. I'm not giving him my money, but you know, I've got family. So I'll like put the chin diaper on to get on the plane. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, take it off for the whole flight. And I was like looking around like this young, he looked like he was in the military. I wish I'd talked to him about that. But, you know, I saw him, he was like kind of watching me and he took his off like 20 minutes into the flight. I'm like, yeah, like mm-hmm. one at a mm-hmm. time. Really. <laughs> um, but it's important work. <laughs> it's actual fighting for our freedom. Yep. Yeah. I mean, where has that right suit if you want? Like I might laugh a little but. And at the end of the day, we all agree, like we're, we are done with this. We want this to be over. We just, we want COVID to be over. And when you ask any liberal, like, don't, don't you think like, wouldn't you be, wouldn't it be nice if we could stop being at war with everybody? They always say yes. And so now we just like, the next step is to just get them to understand that Mm -hmm. what they're, what they're consenting Mm -hmm. to and who they're voting for and what they you know, are allowing to happen. Sure. What's actually happening. Yeah. If you asked anybody two years ago, like, yeah, it's going to be 2022 and you're still going to see people wearing masks and not going to school. And they would have thought you were crazy. And it's like, yeah, here we are. Like it's at some point, I think the bullshit gets high enough that enough people will, will see it, but that's the hope I'm holding on to. Definitely holding on to it. Yeah. It's worth holding on to because otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, it right back it plays right back into their death cult. Yep. It, it really is. We've been jokingly calling it the uh depop shot. Oh yeah, plot well, yeah. shot, depop shot. But, Sounds about right. Yeah, it's like, yeah but you know, but I, it's like you watch, I mean, we're big soccer players and fans, and like all these 22-year-old dudes in the prime health of their life are like falling over. It's like how many of these kids have to get hurt before you guys wake up and stop? Like yeah. What's the one thing that's really changed in the last eight months? Like, and now they're falling over. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's terrifying to look at. And I like, uh, like both of you ladies, but Jesse, what you said earlier, just, I, I hope you don't have to hurt too many people for people to wake up. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I guess that why I become, I've become so obnoxious to everybody around me because, you know, as a nurse, I feel like it's my job to, you know, even when I'm not on the clock to take care of people. And so I just want to be, I informed myself as much as I could. And I just have been very vocal about my skepticism of all of it from the very beginning, looking through all of it. And when they started rolling out this um, vaccine, I was just like, I don't, everything I know about how vaccines are made like this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yep. And, you know, at first it was Donald Trump who was like, you know, trying to get it out as fast as possible. And I remember all the conservatives were like, well, he's doing his best. And I'm like, no, it's still too fast. It's just not safe. And then of course the whole narrative shifted all over and it became now, if you don't want to get shots, you're the conservative, you know, Trump supporter, which makes no sense. Uh, 
you know, and sorry, the like the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus has a social <laughs> media account for the last like I don't know two weeks, like five times a day. They're going back and taking tweets from people. Like, oh yeah, those are so good. Those are it's like anybody who takes this shot is yeah. a shill and blah blah blah. And it's like I'm vaccinated. My kids vaccinated. Like eight months later, mm-hmm. it's like I like I just can't believe. It. It's, it's so hard to fathom that level of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Oh, it's been there. It's been hard for me because I've watched <laughs> other nurses I used to work with, I went to school with, you know, just spewing all of this like, oh, please get vaccinated. The hospitals are overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. And it's like, the reason why the hospital is overwhelmed is because it's always overwhelmed. I don't know if you remember, but I used to work with you and we used to complain <laughs> about how understaffed and how crazy it is all the time. So that's nothing new. And now you're fine with firing half of your, your friends who don't want to get the shot. So how do you think that's going to get better? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, just over the past couple of years, I mean, I'm, they've been putting people on ventilators right away refusing giving putting putting people on remdesivir who are at the end of their mm-hmm. lives and Ooh, remdesivir is an failure yeah it causes yeah. like kidney it's failure it's a yes. death cocktail it is Absolutely. and i actually know uh nurses here in my town who um are icu nurses and that's kind of like it's kind of like the it's not really a joke but it's kind of like a saying like this is you know, when they're at their it, at the end, this is when we give the remdesivir. Ugh. You know, which is so sad that even talk about Dr. Kevorkian. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I mean, I used to be a hospice nurse, so like my, the quality of life is like really important to me when I'm thinking about what's going on with our patients. And I would, knowing that all these people are dying alone in hospitals, scared on ventilators, you know, that pisses me off more than anything else. Like I'm the, mm-hmm. and now having had COVID and having tried ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, pretty much doing the Joe Rogan thing, um, which I did before Joe Rogan did it, by the way. (laughs) Um, I'm just saying like having experienced that firsthand, it seems to me like we've, we've let a lot of people get really sick and die when we had something we could have tried. Oh my gosh. It's been around for like 50 things. Won a Nobel prize. Like, yeah, this is, it's just gotten, it's more than just a ridiculous, like propagandized mindsets. I mean, there's people's lives that have been completely changed by this. And the sad thing is, is that most of the people that have lost loved ones are mad because I'm not vaccinated rather than yeah. mad at the people that lied to them, basically yep. killed them. Yep. So. Yeah, it's it's easier to um, believe a lie than to believe you've been lied to. Yep. Yeah. I don't know who said that, but. And I will say this: if there's anybody on any of you people like brainwashed people listening to this for whatever reason, I don't know how you listen to this. Also, you, (laughs) the most intelligent people, are usually the ones most susceptible to being coerced and propagandized. So. You being wrong doesn't mean you're stupid, okay? So don't think you're stupid, but you can turn it around yeah. anytime. I wouldn't say the most intelligent, but you know, fairly <laughs> intelligent people are very easy to manipulate. But like, it's this thing called like um, the eye or the 
island of um, 120 where everybody like with a mildly high IQ all needs to have the same idea so that, you know, like even the ones who are, you know, below that have the same opinion as the ones that are of the higher intelligence. But um, really like people who are off the charts, like, you know, Thomas Sowell, I'm sure Murray Rothbard, like these amazing um, critical thinkers, you know, they're not falling for this stuff. No, but I think that people who, I'm thinking of people who are like, well, then scientists also that, that have very, like a certain type of intelligence. People. Yeah, yeah. Very educated people too. But I, I've been wondering this for a while and I'd love to see some kind of update because remember um, the early, early on, like the studies that were coming out about like which educational groups had the highest degrees of hesitancy. And, oh, it, yeah. was, and it was the master's program. People had like basically the, the highest rate of compliance, but it was like PhDs, it was like a bell curve or like an op- inverse bell curve, but like the PhDs and maybe like the, you know, under high school people had the highest amount of skepticism, but it's just interesting, like exactly where that falls and exactly who those people are. And then think about how many of those people are the ones that are informing our politicians and governments. Yeah. And I think it's those types of people, like they know that they're smart. And so when they come to a conclusion, they think that that's right. No. And so they don't challenge themselves any further. To be wrong. <clears throat> so I think that's why they're so susceptible to that manipulation. Yeah. Well, to make it relevant to, you know, what you're doing here, Jessica, like at the the state uses intelligentsia, like the academia academic class, and whether it's to wage war mm-hmm. on us here at home with this COVID crap, or whether it's to initiate the war abroad. And that's, you know, something that Thaddeus Russell um, always harps on that, you know, most wars are um, drawn up in a, in an academic, like collegiate classroom, mm-hmm. you know, <sighs> those people well, are. Like, think of all the people like that you churn out of college. Like I've, I've been so oh, yeah. shocked to like, see how many college age kids are falling for this crap. Um, but it's the same thing. I mean, you go through schooling and nobody's ever going to give you the schooling you need to overthrow them. So it's like government's good and war mm-hmm. is we're doing it for this reason and so on. But And your parents um, and your grandparents are bad and racist and killing the planet. You know, this one guy at Jekyll Island, um, he's over at ammo.com and he said something that really stood out to me. It was like Marx and um, Freud are so popular with like academic circles and you know, why do they have staying power? It's because Marx tells you that, you know, your circumstances are not your fault. It's the class that you've been born into. Like you just, you've been Mm -hmm. born into the class and it teaches hate. And Freud is so popular because he tells you that like all of your problems are, you know, secret things from how your parents raised you. You can't help. And basically between Marx and Freud, every individual is allowed to absolve themselves of all responsibility. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really cozy place to be. Like, you're just fat, dumb, and happy thinking, like, this is just my circumstances. I can't make it better or worse or whatever. I can blame everybody else for, you know, what's wrong in my life. So, yep, including my mountains of student debt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they shouldn't have taken on. Yep. Right. Well, I've, I think I hear a baby crying for nursing soon. So. 
<laughs> I should go check on my children because uh, <laughs> I can only that can't nurse. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again for coming on and joining us, and you know, speaking out before and you know, making the tough decisions that you did then, and you know, kind of being mm-hmm. an example for others um, going forward. Um, if anybody were to want to contact you or like follow um, any of your writing, where should people look? So the one spot that's surefire to get me is Lone Oak Farm to Table. And that's Lone like the only and Oak, like O-A-K, Lone Oak Farm to Table. Um, And then we actually still have our old blog. Um, If you look for Anarcho Mama. (laughs) Anarcho Mama. Anarcho Mama. Anarcho Capitalist, but instead of Capitalist, I put Mama. Um, and we don't write there as often, but that's still where we put content out when we get the rare chance to write between, you know, raising four kids and having 150 animals here and getting six months into farming. So I just uh, found you. Yep. Okay. We are. All right. Well, we'll put those in the show There's no propaganda allowed on the farm. If anybody needs a breath of fresh air, they can come and live a normal life. Um, (laughs) Since I'm not too far from you, once we hop off actually recording, I want to come. I want to know more. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right, well, we'll let you go. But um, Bixies, thanks for tuning in. You know where to find us. Um, never hesitate to reach out, no matter what. And we'll catch you catch you again soon. Thanks for hanging in there with the little break we had to take with uh, just life, the holidays, and all that. Yeah, Maddie had to get married. Yeah, you know, oh no. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Well, um, in the <laughs> catch you next time, but in the meantime, um, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary. 